Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Glad you're all here today. We're using Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert's book on creativity and imagination. Marilyn Sprague kicked this off last week with an important ingredient on this subject, and that is the courage to move forward, that willingness to try something new, that availability of, you know, let the good ideas come. I'm willing. I'm able, I'm the one that might take that on. Today I want to amplify that, but where, where I think I want to start is a quick show of hands. Who here enjoys 19th century literature? Do we have any Anne of Green Gables people present? Just, just okay, just a, a few of you out there enjoy one of my passions. Did you notice, though, one of the interesting things about novels written, say, a hundred or more years ago, is people had a different way, I think, of approaching life. For one thing, they were open more to the magic of the everyday world. I mean, when you read Anne, as she, she meets someone new, she's enchanted by that newcomer, right? When was the last time you met someone new and felt enchanted <laughs> by it? Or, or you'll see an idea portrayed and it'll, it'll talk about the idea as moving the heavens and the earth for someone. When was the last time an idea came to you and you just felt like the heavens and the earth had moved? Now, what I know is people aren't different, but I do think that somehow we have a, an exaggerated threshold for amazement anymore. I think, we've, I think we've seen too many CGI movies where <laughs> impossible things happen with great ease, and so there's, there isn't quite as much delight to be seen in the everyday world anymore, because we're used to those showstoppers. It's like, not only is there the car chase, but at least 12 cars have to explode in the car chase. It's not just a nice romantic scene between two people, it's like it's gotta have you know, 20 minutes of, of craziness around it, right? To, to have us feel something. I think the trouble with what's going on today is then the everyday magic has been kind of put on the back burner as though, as though it's not enough, as though we can't find true enchantment just from talking to someone. As though the, uh, a new idea can't really move the, the heaven and the earth in our own hearts anymore unless somehow it comes in technicolor and with, you know, loud noises that go with it. So part of today, part of today is talking about our willingness, actually, to see the world as magical, our ability to put aside a, wanting to explain things away in scientific terms, our, our, our need to, to have a, something even bigger than life when life itself is huge. The magic is actually all around us still. A new person can knock your socks off just through polite conversation. Some new idea can truly transform your life just by the thought of it without loud noises or, or CGI in the background. It is that ability 
to be enchanted. And so I have a joke, of course, about enchantment, because it wouldn't be Sunday without a joke. So a young woman was walking in the forest when she heard a small, weak voice. She bent down to look and saw that the voice came from, you guessed it, a frog. I'm a handsome prince. I'm skilled in Coventry, capable of leading an army in your name. An evil queen, envious of my charms, turned me into a frog. But if you but kiss me, I will turn into that prince. I'll sweep you off your feet to live in a castle. You'll be taken care of as the princess you can be. Well, the maiden picked up the little frog, put him in her pocket. Bewildered, the frog looked out and asked, What? You're not going to kiss me? Nope, replied the maiden. I just think it's more fun to have a talking frog. (laughs) So where's our sense of play in the world? Where's our, right? Where is that, that essence of being able to be enchanted by the smallest things of God? So part of it, I think, is just open-mindedness. You know, in the book, she portrays the idea of ideas, new ideas, as though they were living creations. And and, and I kind of love that part of the book because it reminds me of our metaphysical chart. For those of you who have never looked at our metaphysical chart, it's on that banner back there. And and it portrays the divine creative process kind of like it's one of those three-layer dips that are so good. And so the, the top layer is, is all of the ideas. It's that kind of effervescence of life. The, the middle layer represents the unformed substance of life. And then the bottom third of it, the bottom layer, is actually the stuff that gets manifested. It's, it's the things that we can touch and taste and see and feel. So, so the whole idea here is our ideas become things. And that's the the nature of how our creativity, if you will, gets expressed out in the world. And so the author of this book says the ideas are already there. We're not really creating the idea. And, And in my imagination, I imagine just a sea of ideas swarming around us and hopefully I'm not creeping anyone out, but it's, it, it's almost as though, right? It's like right next to Kay's ear right there might be an amazing idea, and it's trying to get in. <laughs> it's trying. <laughs> She's nodding. Maybe it, maybe it even has a good chance. But what I know about those ideas is probably 99% of the time, right, they go in one ear, and what happens? They go right out the other ear. It's like free passage. There's no stickiness here. They just went through. And another good percentage of the time that's left, what happens? We say, oh, geez, that's a really big idea. I don't think I'm up for that. It would take too much of my time. It interrupt my, my busy life as it is. I can see having to make an investment and money in this idea. Uh, I'm just going to say no. And probably in the tiny, tiny, tiniest percentage of our lives, we say yes. And what a difference it can make when we say yes. But I'd like to amplify that yes even a little bit. Because if the world really is full of ideas, and I believe it's true, I believe that ideas are actually waiting 
to be expressed, and the only way that they can be expressed is through us. We're the instruments of that divine creative process. Without us, nothing happens. In fact, let me use an example. So I think it's about 20-some years ago. I probably should have looked this up so I could sound more precise about it. But I think it was about 20 years ago, a gentleman that worked in a laboratory somewhere was at a chemist was asked to try to duplicate superglue. Remember superglue, crazy glue, it was sometimes called. And of course it was patented. And if you wanted to produce your own brand of superglue, well, you couldn't without paying a huge royalty to, uh, I think it was Monsanto that had the, the patent on, uh, on superglue. And so uh, this rival company, let's come up, let's develop our own superglue. We won't use you know, their way of doing it. We'll come up with, with something that compete in that field. And so uh, a gentleman chemist worked for, oh, so long trying to come up with an alternative to superglue. And the best that he could come up with was something that was just a little bit sticky. So, uh, of course, it was considered a failure, and, and they assigned him something new, and, y you know, the, the glue was interesting, right? Because it would stay sticky for a really long time, which was unusual. I mean, super glue, when it hardens, it, it hardens. And so many glues, within a short period of time, they harden, and this was unusual. And it, and it was floating through the guy's mind, there ought to be some purpose for this. There ought to be some reason, but it was still just in that idea phase. What, what could I do with glue that isn't very gluey, <laughs> right? And it kept swirling through his mind. And years later, it took four or five years for that divine creative process to come to its fulfillment. And now we have sticky notes. We have post-it notes. Think about it for a minute. You wouldn't want it to be like super glue or you'd have problems. It's actually a case where something that's only weakly sticky is really useful. But it took him a couple years for that idea. Still, swir it, He had allowed it to come into his head. He had devoted time and research to it. But still it wasn't until he could actually implement it out in the world in a way that finished the divine creative process that suddenly we have something. And of course it's, it's marvelous. I mean, it's made, you know, like a billion bucks on the planet. What if I were to tell you that swimming around just as close as your next thought are ideas just like that? What if I were to tell you the only thing that stands in your way and you know where I'm going with this, is your own willingness to have an open mind and to allow the ideas to come in. Now, I'm not saying you have to say yes to all of them, right? Some of them really would require more of your resources. They're not up your aisle. They wouldn't be appropriate for you, of course. But unless we're waiting and willing and interested, we're not even going to get the chance to say yes or no. So first of all, our hearts and minds have to be open. And, and let me tell you one way of doing this. My grandfather, believe it or not, was the millwright at the Oregon City Paper Mill. Now, most of you may not even know that there was a paper mill right there on the Willamette River. You can still see the foundations of it uh, out in the middle of the river there. He was the millwright of that paper mill and he started work as the millwright two weeks before the Great Depression. 
So promised a wonderful opportunity, a great salary, uh, and two weeks into it, they, all they could do was try to keep the mill open to give some kind of living wage to the hundreds of people who worked there. And of course, one of the things that happened right away was there was no money to buy repair items. And so a mill, of course, back then, in, in fact, uh, l- let me give you an example like it. Does anyone here like making recipes that take several days? So some people I know are working on stolen bread right now and some other things for Christmas that take several days. And if you think about it, it's like day one, maybe you do your starter and then you have to filter it. And then the second day you work in some flour and do some other things. On day three, you have to punch it down and put it in a warm place on day four and so on and so forth. And it's not like you can really avoid any one of those processes, you simply don't end up with bread at the end. And that was the trouble with the mill in Oregon City. To get paper from wood chips were like a hundred different processes, all of them involving a lot of machinery, old machinery, and it would break down. Guess what the millwright's responsibility is? Yeah, exactly. So let me tell you his process. He was blessed to live not far from the mill. He would walk home at lunch. Grandma made him lunch. And he would bring whatever problem of the day, whatever machine had shut down or whatever issue they were faced. He'd have a good meal and he would have a siesta. He would sit in his chair. And, uh, and years later, he explained this is where all of his success at the mill came. He would sit in his chair, bring the problem into his mind, and he said, I would only have to be asleep for about five minutes, and the answer would come to me. That was his method of engaging creativity. And sometimes it would mean you'd have to take a part off of one machine to put in another machine. Sometimes you'd have to skip one whole process in some modified way, right? It was the amazing creativity to keep, you know, five dozen machines running in such a way that you would end up from wood chips into paper. And he managed to keep that running all through the Great Depression because of his creativity. Now, it's funny, Daniel, my partner, and I went to an event yesterday where where we made Christmas wreaths. Of course, there were a couple reluctant people there. There were a couple of partners drug along who said, well, I'm just here to watch because I'm so not creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. But I got to tell you, we were all having so much fun that within about 20 minutes, uh, a couple of these gentlemen who were started out like this, like she dragged me along, were pitching in and having the time of their lives. It's because we're naturally creative. We, we may not think of ourselves that way. We may not think of ourselves as one to whom the ideas come and the, the desire to be creative in some kind of outward position. But But everything you have ever managed on this planet uses that divine creative process. So whether you know you're creative, whether you view yourself in that way, uh, the fact that you got here today shows that you have creative powers. So how do we do this openness? I've given you one clue. One is through contemplation. If you want to invite new ideas down, just pick a subject and take it into a contemplation. 
uh, a friend of mine is working on clean drinking water for the whole universe. And, uh, and, and I would bet you that more than once he has simply said, okay, you know, I've already puzzled out a dozen different ways and none of them seem to be working right now. I'm just going to let spirit fill me up. Because that's how the new ideas come. That's how we collaborate with our higher wisdom self to bring about something new. One other thing that I want to talk about here that's important, and that is setting an intention. One thing that I have been doing for, gosh, I was thinking it was only about five or six years, but I bet it's closer to 10 years now. Uh, When I was in ministerial school, shortly after, I was invited up to Kathy Ann Lewis. She's the senior minister in the Seattle church, a much bigger church. And she was mentoring some of us. She was one of my first mentors. And I remember uh, naively saying something about money, like, oh, well, one of the things I I'm worried about is uh, it seems like the churches are so cash strapped and uh, you know it would be nice to not have to worry about that and oh my god she ro- she's not a tall woman but she rose up as though she were about nine feet tall and said you don't need to worry about money that's crazy and I said well what do you mean and she said well what are your intentions around money and I guess Uh, I said, well, I guess I had never really thought about it in terms of intention. And she said, well, well. (laughs) She said, every year I have an intention that I will receive five new avenues of money every single year. And she says, in my life, it's a question of which ones I'm going to act upon not whether there's a lack of it or not. I would invite you around your creativity to have some kind of an intention. Do you have an intention for receiving new ideas? Do you have an intention to be delighted by someone new in your life? Do you have an intention that... uh, that maybe there can be magic for you, whether it's around a healing or the reparation of, a, a, of an estranged relationship. Are you, are you open to something new that hasn't happened yet? Something that maybe seems like almost, almost a miracle would have to happen for that to happen. Could it be that we just need to change our intentions Could it be that we need to be able to expect that the ideas will come in order to be willing and open to receive them when they're there? I go back to her initial premise. The ideas are there. The next great thing is there. The next unthought of miracle ingredient for a hamburger that would get everybody on the planet to buy one is right next to your ear. I can see it there. The, the next great invention that would rival post-it notes is right, June, I think it's right. <laughs> I think it's right next to your ear. It is only for us to expect it to be there. It is only for us to be able to receive it. The other thing she talks about in the book, though, that I do want to cover is that when an idea comes and we say yes to it, it almost needs to be like a sacred covenant. It almost needs to be a collaboration. So we've invited this new things into our lives. We know it can have a dramatic and positive effect on our life, 
But, but what's, mine? what's my part of it, right? I have to bring it into the world, and that's going to require some of my time, some of my effort, maybe some of my money. Certainly my oomph, some of my, my energy has to go into that new idea. And so I like to think of that. When I say yes to an idea, when one of those five new avenues of revenue presents itself to me, before I say yes, I have to think of it in my life as a, as a commitment, as like a covenant. I will devote some time, effort, resources, some of my energy to this, and in return, it will give me something fabulous. Maybe it will give me the fabulous new relationship that I want. Maybe it will give me those five new income streams. Maybe it will give me, right? Because our creativity is all around different things, different areas that we want in our lives. But I, I have to make that covenant because the idea itself is just floating up in that top part of the chart. It's just the topping on that three-layer dip. <laughs> we have to get down to the bottom. And getting down to the bottom only happens through people. In the human realm, the divine creative process only happens when we make that final step, when we take the idea and make it into reality. Can you guess what your homework is for this week? <laughs> yeah, you knew, you knew this was a good news, bad news story. So I want to start simple, though. I want to start simple with our homework, because I think we're going to have another chance later in the month to maybe deepen in this. So let our first step of homework on this whole subject just be the willingness to rethink our intentions. What are your intentions around creativity? Would you be willing to set an intention for yourself that maybe every single month a great, a truly great idea would come into your head and you would evaluate it for yes or no? You get to do the evaluation. I'm not saying we'll have to step off the ledge here and, and become chemists, at least, at least not this week. But would you be willing to have the intention that you are that opening where new ideas are welcome? Think about how you would phrase that. For me, every January when I do my intentions from the year, I take on Kathy Ann's from Seattle. I say, Larry, I intend that this year five new income streams will come to me and be noticeable, right? I don't have to hunt for them. They'll plop into my mind as a great new idea that might bring me money. So that might be one of the intentions you would have. If there's some other area in your life where creativity would be involved, maybe, maybe your intention is new ideas and new ways of being will come to me this year that will allow me to repair a broken relationship. The creativity of all time will be here to allow me to experience wholeness in my body. So there's a variety of ways that we can look at this for different purposes, but I think setting the intention for that newness needs to come first. Are you willing to have new ideas presented to you? Are you willing to allow those wonderful ideas floating around in this room right now to make a nest in your mind, at least long enough for you to make a decision. We're going we're gonna to plug up one ear so that when the idea comes in one ear, it can't, at least for a little while, it can't go out the other ear. Are you willing? Okay, so that's your homework for this week. Coming up with an intention to allow new ideas, new ways of being, new magic 
to enter into your life. I'm going to close with a quote from the book and a prayer. She says, I live in a most remarkable world. It's literally thick with mysteries. I don't demand a translation of this unknown. I don't need to understand what it all means or where these wonderful ideas are originally conceived or or why creativity plays out as unpredictably as it does. I don't need to know why we are sometimes able to converse freely with our inspiration when at other times we labor in solitude and come up with very little. None of us can know such things for certain because these are among the great enigmas and mysteries of life. All I know for certain is that this is how I want to spend my life, collaborating to the best of my ability with forces of inspiration that I can neither see, nor prove, nor command, nor sometimes even understand. It's a strange line of work, admittedly, and yet, I cannot think of a better way to pass my days. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. It's where all those ideas ultimately come from, and that is spirit itself. The ideas uh, just floating around, just available to all of us. This is the nature of God with all of its templates and, and maps and creative forces and ideas and urges. This is the divine at work in the world. And I know that my part of it is finishing that divine creative process loop to to make it present in the human world. And I know that my heart and my mind are open to receive those ideas. Of course, I, I get to choose. I get to choose which ones I implement. I get to say yes to some and no to others. But ultimately, it is the ideas themselves that I allow entry I allow to become part of who I am. And for those, for those that I say yes to, I make a commitment. I create that covenant, that partnership of, of idea and human to bring something blessed into the world. Sometimes it takes the form of money-making ideas. Sometimes it takes the form of love-making ideas. Sometimes it is a collaboration with people. It takes all forms, but, but what I know is it's available. And so for each person in this room, each person within the hearing of my voice, I know there's that capability of opening our hearts and our minds that each of us can simply say yes. Each of us can simply set an intention for new ideas to come. Each of us can, as a blessing to ourselves, recognize I will have a variety of fabulous, magic-filled ideas coming into my life right now. And so for this, I give great thanks. I give thanks for the creativity of the universe as it moves through me, closing that loop of divine creative process. And so I release this prayer into the activity and an action of the law. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. 
We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.